pornography and sex deviation have always been with mankind. In this, our coming out episode, we spill all about our dirty little secret, and we asked our friends and listeners to tell us theirs. Hi, Bobby. Women Watching Porn, a podcast. Hi, ladies. And everyone else, welcome back to another episode of Women Watching Porn. I have big news and something to share. What is it, Chris? Cannot wait to hear it. Okay. Ladies, I've come out about our dirty little secret. What's that? It's this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Big, big news. So I have kept our podcast about sex and porn that I believe is really important to open a dialogue, to have a space, to hear women's voices, to talk about sexuality, what turns us on. This feels like something I'm proud of, and yet I've been keeping it a secret. I know that feeling. I've also been keeping it a secret. And I write erotica, which I keep a secret. Yeah, I don't talk about these things very much, which is funny. Because I think we're all quite open-minded people and our friends, or at least, you know, the ones I've met of yours, the ones Mm -hmm. you've met of mine are very open-minded people. I've told some friends. And yet we're here doing this podcast to open a dialogue so we can all feel more comfortable talking and expressing. And yet I've been hiding it Mm -hmm. until now. Maxie, I came out. I love it, Chris. You know, I've been wanting this for you and for us because let's be real and honest because there's a reason it's only our first names in this podcast right because we did not want this to pop up on top when people google our names when we apply Mm -hmm. for new jobs I was freelancing at the time and full stop yeah heavy and Mm -hmm. we've been discussing this for over two years now Mm -hmm. and it took that long So what changed for you, Chris? I have been really worried about this, what you just mentioned, about people in the corporate job that I have Googling me and porn popping up without any context, um, where you just see women watching porn, you see something about sex, and you maybe immediately judge. Um, I have a very corporate job. And I work in technology, which is primarily stacked with uh, men, white men, white, hetero, cis men. And I feel like I've been judged already harshly and that I've really struggled in my career to be taken seriously, for my work to be taken seriously. I've spent years toning myself down, putting my hair back, not wearing makeup, wearing my glasses, so I could appear, um, I guess, less... uh, Sexual. Sexual. Thank Mm. you. In order for people to just hear the words coming out of my mouth instead of being maybe intimidated or made feel uncomfortable because I'm not like them. And so I've been scared to do it. And what changed for me is over the years, I've decided to just be more and more authentically myself. And it's been working, right? It feels right. And I feel like I wanted to attract that energy I wanted to go out into the world proud of all the things that I'm doing and have that be part of my story. And I also just feel like it's really important that if I'm not personally comfortable talking about sex and sexuality and pleasure and sexual health and publicly, 
then I have no fucking right sitting here and, and talking on this podcast. It, it just, it felt important. The scary part is this is not my job. Like we don't make money doing this. And my job is my career that I've been working towards for 15 years. And so what happens now? And my biggest fear is that I won't ever know that there will, someone will Google me. It may be my future next boss or my current boss. They will see my name and they will unconsciously even bias me moving forward, thinking of me a bit bit different and I won't get that next promotion. Like I may never see the ramifications Mm -hmm. for this, but part of my inspiration as well was that you two ladies, like I know Maxie that you've told people that you've worked with and it's maybe even helped you get jobs. And same with you, Laura, with your writing erotica, that this has been a platform in which for you to really show the things that are important to you and that you care about. This is true. And so I'm like, well, they're doing it and they're, and it's helping. And, and maybe I won't attract the same kind of, of corporate job moving forward, but maybe I'll attract something different I don't even know yet. That is also true. And that's a really interesting way to put it because I think, you know, most of the, I mean, a lot of kind of unconscious bias and stuff like that, like you maybe know a little bit, but you don't necessarily really see the full uh, you don't, you can't see into people's heads, mm-hmm. I suppose, is what I'm getting at here. Um, you can still know, obviously, but with something like this, it's kind of nebulous as well, because people have very, very different views and attitudes mm-hmm. towards that kind of thing. So you might find that, uh, you know, whereas one boss would be like, hmm, not sure about this. Another would be like, oh, this is amazing, right? right. Like you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And we won't know, but I put it everywhere. It's on my website. It's on my Twitter. It's on my Instagram. I I decided also to sell it in a certain way too. Like it says porn. Mm -hmm. So I felt the the need to put sexual health educator. I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. Like, are we a sexual health educators? We 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 talked about that in the last episode with Anna as well. And if it's any consolation to you, I... When we were conceiving this podcast and just like when we started recording, I remember with tears in my eyes talking to my partner at the time and telling him how scared I was of how people would perceive me, that I thought we had an open relationship and I thought every time someone would find me online, Google my name and see this, they would perceive me like radically different. And to my surprise, nothing changed. That's nothing. fascinating. There's not a single dirty text. There was no, you know, maybe some more DMs, but really nothing at all. And if anything, I feel it adds to the kind of brand that I want to build with for myself. It adds to how I want people to perceive me to some extent. Well, because we stay classy, we have a gorgeous brand, we have this lovely podcast, and I really stand behind what we do. Yeah. And if anything, I feel it helped me build and fight for something, being that outspoken woman that I want to be. Yeah, Maxie, that's beautiful. And I was inspired by that. And so I'm hopeful for myself. I'm excited because I think this will open doors, even just energetically or whatever. Maybe if it closes some, I hope it opens new ones. But I'm also scared fucking shitless. Every time Mm. I see... Um, at women talk porn on my the top of my Twitter bio when I'm also tweeting about my corporate job, I'm terrified. I'm terrified mm-hmm. every day. But yeah. we'll see. Laura, yeah. you like you have something to say. Tell me what's on your mind. Oh, I don't know. I mean, this is really interesting to me because obviously I've had lots of different jobs in different industries and none of them have really stuck. But recently I've started writing as a profession and that's really interesting meeting the writing team who are by and large kind of people a little bit like me, a bit 
somewhat off kilter, somewhat like unusual in some way, right? So you might find also, and part of, you know, my application for this job, this podcast was on my CV when I mm -hmm. sent it in, um, as was my writing. And they had a writing sample of like me writing about some love affair I'd had um, in a super explicit way, right? Like yeah. the, you, you guys have seen some mm -hmm. of the work I do. It's incredibly out there. So I was like, oh God, very uncomfortable about <laughs> applying for this. Um, with this kind of writing sample, but it turned out it was exactly what they wanted. And I think that maybe, you know, I mean, let's face it, Chris, you're probably not destined for a lifetime in the world of corporate. No, I think this is me kind of like, you know when you sabotage a relationship at the end because you just can't handle it anymore? I'm just like yeah. blasting porn everywhere, hoping to get fired. Yeah. But then you could have an awesome discrimination lawsuit. It would be amazing. And you know, with... Um, because when we started this, I was freelancing and then afterwards I replied for a more corporate job and I made a point of it in the first job interview to tell them about this podcast because it was important to me that I would be able to continue doing that even when we work for major uh, corporate clients. And they were totally okay with that and I was talking in the office about it freely and I love that. And now mm. I started a new job and forgot to tell that in the job interview and then now I felt like and now it felt a bit too personal yeah and I thought it was something that they didn't know about but then the other day my boss just turns around to me and just randomly in a meeting was like hey yeah this would be really interesting for your podcast when watching porn actually and I just looked at him and was like <laughs> you know of course they knew of That's course, so everybody knew about it. Like, if you just Google me, you find it on my website. If you yeah. put some effort into it, you'll find it. I don't know why yeah. I thought that they wouldn't know. Oh, but there's freedom in that. <laughs> Definitely, there is freedom in that. And now I can, you know, continue talking about porn with everyone. Everyone, yeah. everyone. Let's everyone. all talk about hobby. porn. <laughs> Laura. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, I've told my colleagues about it, for example, or, you know, about the erotica writing. And I'm like, oh, it seems I'm recruiting people to this, like, publisher <laughs> I work for and stuff like that. It's Or, like, you know, guests for our podcast. It's yeah. like, oh, I see, right. It's, people do like it. People are into it. If you Yeah, um, and I really do not think it changes how people see me because I, I thought they would perceive me as a more sexual being, but I think I already am that. And if anything, it just adds this more, like she's not just, you know, the hot looking chick. She also thinks about what she's doing. Mm -hmm. She also knows like she's out that's there. She's true. a feminist. She's outspoken. That's and true. And that's how I want people to see me. And we shouldn't care about how people fucking see us anyways. And and most likely we are sexual. they're not they're not going to be shocked. Sexual. Like I think literally anyone I know that I work with that they found out I did a porn podcast would probably be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <That> scans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so tell me, I'm interested because so I haven't really told my family about this kind of stuff. So mm. my sister knows about our podcast, uh, and she knows about my writing, but she's never read any of it. And the rest of my family, you know, it's funny because my family are, are fairly liberal um, for the most part. But So why aren't you telling them and what do you think, how do you think they would react? I think they wouldn't be that surprised and I think they wouldn't care that much. But I think it's me. I think I still have some sort of deep-seated shame or something. Or I would worry that, you know, oh, I don't know, that it would be embarrassing for them or something like that. Mm. And I mean, my family is sort of all over the but world. But you're British. That's like pretty um, normal, right? <laughs> that's true. Or part know. of the family is British, actually. Like they're all over the place. So like different, different sides of the family would have very different reactions. And I'm just a bit like, 
It's not even so much that I'm scared of it. It's more like I don't want to deal with it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like family drama. And I think that's okay. Like we don't need to tell our family everything and you, you get to decide who you want to be close to. I've personally had many coming out moments with my family that I've had really positive experiences with that I think have made us closer. Like when I came out as a teenager that I was, that I was bi and had a a girlfriend or when I told them I was a stripper when I was in my early (laughs) twenties or when I told them I had a podcast or when I came out as Polly. Um, so now I can't shock them with anything. Like my mom's an avid listener. She, they all, they all tune in. I've trained them to never be shocked anymore. Oh, that's so nice though. It's really nice to have that with your family. Yeah, but I have liberal hippie family from California. So maybe don't take my advice at all. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose that's also a factor, right? Like Mm. your family background. But when we tell people, when I came out as Polly, I came out as Polly not only to my family, but to everyone. I, I came out on Facebook at the time, right? I came, it was like, it was a, you could put it in your description. Um, I came out to all of my friends. I, I wanted everyone to know because for me, that eliminated drama. If someone saw me out with somebody else, it doesn't, it makes them feel more comfortable if they know. So I'm bringing people along with the knowledge of me because with that, they understand and can be more part of my life. So I've just had a lot of positive experiences with being authentically myself. And I hope praying, I don't, if, I, if I pray, I don't know, that, that this will turn out the same, but we just don't know. And that, that is a risk. And we all have our stories about, you know, how people will perceive us and, and treat, because mostly it's not about us. It's about how it makes them feel. Mm. Does this make people feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Does me being authentically me make people feel uncomfortable? I'm going to tell you, yes, my whole fucking life all day long, me being authentically me it triggers people and it makes them uncomfortable. But that is something that I feel I'm not willing to compromise for. Yeah, and why should that be your responsibility, how other people feel? It's not. I'm not taking that on. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Chris, I just really hope that this works out well for you. (laughs) But I know it will. I just know it will. It's, It's been working for me and I think... The direction in which you want to take your career will only make this help you find clients that actually support all of you. I hope so too. Definitely. I think, yeah. I think it's a good move. I think it's a strong move and mm-hmm. why not? Thanks for listening. Only live once. And the support and the inspiration you are so both. So if you want to go on full stock, Chris Dobbins, it's Chris Dobbins <laughs> at Chris Dobbins dot Chris Dobbins dot dot. that's not a thing but yes i think it is important to say my name is chris dobbins i'm Um, maximize now i'm not going there yet (laughs) we respect your decision (laughs) you write erotica under a ghost name fair enough um and yeah this was my coming out story and we're about to treat you all with some special little secret coming out stories from our listeners and our close friends and families have a listen. Hello. Um, I thought I would just uh, record my answer. So I thought I'll just like start talking about it <laughs> because it's quite difficult to like script it down and it comes from the heart. So 
Yeah, my come out story. Okay, well, uh, here you go then. Uh, my coming out story, so to speak. Okay, so thoughts on coming out, song 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 coming out. I came out to a friend about my my love for transgender women and it was it was pretty tough being a black male in South Mississippi so but I was very grateful to my friend because they was understanding so the people who uh, were the most difficult for me to come out as a gay person were my childhood friends I my background is quite Catholic, and um, and everyone, all my friends, all my childhood friends, share the same background, and um, and I've come out already for most of my friends at college, and this is college time already. I was twenty two, twenty one years old, and uh, it took me some time to actually to tell my my childhood friends because I felt they wouldn't want to be my friends anymore. They they wouldn't agree. Uh, so it took me quite a while. And eventually, uh, we were in a party and uh, I was quite tipsy. And I decided that I would tell them at that moment. So I prepared them I said, look, there's something serious that I need to talk to you about. And I've been uh, wanting to talk to you about this for a while, but I didn't have the courage. And I I need to tell you something. And suddenly, one of my friends, she stopped me and she said, Jen, you don't have to tell, you don't have to, to, to tell us. Um, you, you don't ever need to tell us anything because we know we know you um, and we accept you so don't worry you don't have to go through this and uh, that was a v- uh, such a lovely experience and I remember the feeling of relief and um, and this showed me that people who really love you and who really knows you um, they know and they will always accept you. So, yeah, that's my coming out story. <laughs> I love role play, but not only like the sexual role play, but I, I think I love to play, like to be goofy um, in relationships because otherwise I'll get bored. And one of the things that I love doing is to... Um, do as if um, like like an extraterrestrial being that has never seen a human body and and then just like see someone like a, a you know a human body for the first time and just like touch it in a way as if you had never never in your life seen a, a human body before and and I love that I love that role play and I was talking to this guy and he was like, yeah, tell me about this obsession with like role play. Like, what would it be? And I told him about this, like my dream of like playing as if I was a, an, uh, like an 
uh, an ET, an extraterrestrial being, coming into Earth for the first time, and I've never haven't seen like human nails. And I explained that to him, that I wanted to discover his body as if I had never seen a human body in the past. And then he was like, oh my God, I think I need a lot of LSD for that. And I was like, I've got you, all good. I've got all the psychedelics who want to play this game. Coming out about my uh, breaking up with my ex, my divorce. Yeah, I really kept it from a lot of people. Uh, I shared it only with really very few people just because it was so overwhelming already. I didn't want to be overwhelmed with people, I don't know, either asking questions because they're curious or asking questions because they wanted to make sure I was okay and have what I needed. I couldn't deal with it. Um, so I kept it quite private. It also took me a really long time to uh, tell it to new people that I met, you know? Um, I mean, on dates, yeah, I had. I felt like I had to. It was just ethical, right? Uh, but, you know, if I was making new friends or something, um, I struggled to talk about my recent divorce just to tell people I was recently divorced. And the whole thing about it really is also because I felt like a failure, right? I felt like this was a failed relationship, uh, was how I felt at the time. Uh, but also, you know, you're really cultured. We're really cultured to think that a divorce is a failure of a relationship or marriage. Um, and the way I feel about it now, actually, is that I was really victorious. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, I no longer feel like it was a failed marriage or a failed relationship. I actually think it was hugely successful. Um, you know, we cared about each other deeply enough and created a culture of closeness and trust um, that was strong enough that we even wanted to and did get married in the first place. Um, yeah, but I am happy that I kept it small and I didn't tell a bunch of people right away. That just, you know, I feel like that relieved a lot of pressure and expectation on my end. So the first time that I could think about coming out about like my sexuality uh, was to my dad. Um, I was explaining to him from a very young age that I didn't feel like relationships that people have were something that I liked. Um, jealousy in particular, I never understood jealousy in uh, the way that people portrayed it towards me. My dad was a very jealous lover and for him showing jealousy was um, a sign of love and a sign of appreciation and that never sat well with me and I already told him back then that um, I don't think that um, this kind of relationship would be something that I would appreciate but um, that might have been like 14 when this happened um, and the usual, uh, reaction that I got is, oh, it's Jenny again, <laughs> because I was a very, like, thoughtful, uh, and eccentric child, and, um, whenever I would talk about myself and the way that I think about the world, um, it was never really seen as, um, a fact or um, something that I told about myself, but it was always seen, yeah, you're going to grow out of it. You're going to grow out of it. Um, and that was also when I was 
seventeen, I told my first time to my dad that I also like women, that I'm bisexual, that I feel attracted to my own gender. Um, and the same again. It was like that sort of dismissive thing of, oh, it's Jenny again, you know, it's it's her again. Um, she She's just being eccentric. And that made me always feel like I sort of have a, or maybe that is the ground of my um, imposter syndrome when it comes to my queerness, the constant denial of me expressing my view on relationship, my love life and my sexuality being dismissed as um, not queer enough um, or this as being something that I'm going to grow out of. Uh, needless to say, I didn't grow out of it. <laughs> so one of the most like memorable coming out moments were me teaching a class in high school about like sexuality and gender. And um, <clears throat> they were expecting to have like a guest teacher who was gay um, in their class um, funded by this program. And then as I was there, I kind of took over, <laughs> I took over my show and tell and I first explained to them about how I discovered my sexuality with girls, with boys and how I then came out as gay and brought my boyfriend to the prom. And then after a while, I was actually like, well, and actually later I discovered I was bisexual. So I'm actually bisexual. And then even later, I was like, you know, and then actually I realized, you know, am I am I a man? Like, you know, and then I came out as non-binary to this high school class. And, you know, that eventually led me to telling them about what it means to be pansexual. And boy, I mean, these kids, their minds were blown. And um, this is in Amsterdam. And it's actually quite funny. Some kids knew all about non-binary, uh, trans, um, bisexuality, pansexuality. And of course, a lot of the high school kids didn't. Um, <laughs> and neither did the organization who hired me to come do this show and tell. But I really felt like I, you know, gave a proper update on what, what reality is like in 2020. I don't, I don't think like I'm a like 100% queer person, but I'm definitely open and and curious and I think I've been more open and curious to explore my sexuality with other women like maybe like the past year because I was just I just eventually started to realize that I was attracted to a lot of people who also happen to be um, women but when I when I met this girl and I I was just very open about like how attracted I felt towards her. It wasn't like a coming out of the closet, but it was just more of like acknowledging and, and speaking up about my attraction towards another woman. And then just explaining myself, saying like, I just, I feel like a 14 year old, um, just being really insecure about touching someone else, like touching another boy, but now it just happens to be a girl. I feel like a turtle. Uh, coming out of, of her like eggshell in the like at the beach and then just like running into the ocean you know 
And she was incredibly receptive, incredibly sweet. Um, and it was such a nurturing moment for me because obviously I feared like rejection or being looked down at as like not being fully queer or not being experienced enough. Um, so it was a beautiful, beautiful reaction that she has and it made me feel really good about myself and about where I was and how honest uh, we could both be with each other. Okay, well, uh, here you go then. Uh, my coming out story, so to speak. For me, actually, I feel like the biggest kind of anxiety I had around saying something specifically to my parents was always around dating. Um, so yeah, I was always, definitely always hiding girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> um, but it always had to do, I don't know, it was kind of like this underlying thing. I mean, my parents are very, you know, open-minded and obviously we grew up in a, a like as a, a black dude around a lot of white people or whatever. But, you know, there there is always kind of that feeling when you're at your family get togethers, you know, the, the, you're thinking to yourself, oh, am I supposed to end up with, you know, a black woman as well? And, you know, it's not necessarily going to happen. And obviously it has happened, but this in this particular case you know i was dating somebody who was white <laughs> and uh the first time it happened basically i was dating one of my uh well she was like she went to about the same school as me and um she was she lived in the neighborhood and actually she attended my parents well sorry not her sorry her mom attended my parents pilates classes and so we started dating and i hadn't said anything at all but she had already told her mom and there's this uh pretty funny scene where i got home from basketball practice and the pilates class was just finishing up and <laughs> so my girlfriend's mom comes up to me she's like oh i saw you uh, with alicia blah 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 and my parents are just kind of like wait a minute what and uh she the, the my girlfriend's mom realized that she kind of made a little blunder but at the same time it was a good thing i guess and then after that i had to like tell them and i was all kind of like shy and reserved about it and really embarrassed and they were like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. And I kind of realized that this whole thing I'd probably been building up in my head was kind of completely not even real. You know, I don't think they really cared. I mean, I think they obviously now when I'm older, I feel like, yeah, they just care who that, that I end up with somebody who makes me happy. But at that time, I was like, what, 16 years old? And they just like, if anything, they were curious, but I'm sure they didn't care at all uh, who I ended up with. That's my story. I send you the biggest hug from Mexico City and I uh, keep going because I love listening to y'all's voices and your stories and yeah I love experiencing my sexuality through what I hear from you and um, yeah it's so inspiring. Thank you! This was Women Watching Porn hosted by Chris, Maxi, and Laura. Thanks to Daniel for our title music. Thank you for listening. To support us, go to womenwatchingporn.com and click donate. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on Instagram at womenwatching and Twitter at womentalkporn. Porn.